Good morning. Today is the first Sunday of Advent, begins the ritual of lighting the candles that symbolize the light of God coming to earth. The circle of greens represents God's eternity. The candle we light today represents faithful expectation. Listen now to the scripture reading from Isaiah chapter 40, verses 3 through 5 that prepares for Jesus' arrival. A voice cries out, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. And the uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places plain. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all people shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. We light this candle today in preparation for the coming of Christ.
all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. Let us now together turn our faces to our Heavenly Father and confess our sins. Eternal God, you have brought us to this moment of confrontation. We cannot escape your judgment of our hidden deceits. You know when we are jealous of others, you observe our quarrels with one another. You see how we seek self-gratification rather than the ways you intend for us. Our physical desires are more important to us than the spiritual hungers we suppress. Come among us now to turn us toward the paths where you want to lead us. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus Christ was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. In his incomparable mercy, the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. We are forgiven. We are loved with an everlasting love. We are set free to follow Jesus where he leads. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. believers down through the ages, let us state what we believe using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now, in the love of Christ, let us turn and greet our neighbors.
Good morning. Welcome to worship on this, the first Sunday of Advent. We're glad that you're here with us at Church of the Palms. All I have to say is that whenever you get the chance to go for two points, you go for two points. <laughs> and if you have no idea what I'm talking about, you're better off. <laughs> we are uh, chock full of great ways for you to be a part of our life here at Church of the Palms. Through this Advent season, we would love for you to fill out the friendship pads, of course, in the pews, pass those along to your neighbor. And we hope that uh, especially today, you will uh, take note of the people who joined our church last week. Pictures of them are in your bulletin, and perhaps some of them are sitting near to you, and you can take the chance to welcome them as well into uh, our life here at Church of the Palms. We've uh, begun a great tradition over the last couple of years to participate with the Salvation Army in bell ringing uh, over at the nearby Publix and down at Macy's. And uh, we are uh, just starting that. We began on Friday, but we still have some openings, some opportunities for you to do that. And uh, we've usually filled out this sheet uh, pretty much earlier than this Sunday, but uh, we still have some openings. We'd love for you to get over there after the worship service underneath the tree, fill out some spots, two hours of just ringing that bell. If you have that spiritual gift of ringing a bell, you can do that. This coming Saturday, we have our Messiah concert, one of the great highlights of the season, and we invite you to participate with us in that as well. Information about that is in your bulletin, but please come and join us this coming Saturday. We are doing something new with our Advent devotional uh, booklet, and uh, we're in encouraging you to go online. And uh, there's some information about that in your bulletin as well, uh, so that you can follow online an Advent devotional thought each day as we make our, through, uh, our way through the Advent season. We do have some hard copies of that available for you underneath the uh, tree at the welcome table, but we do encourage you to uh, journey with us online, and you can also get that on our website. We uh, want to encourage you as well to continue your response to our food pantry uh, offering. There are envelopes still in the pews. We invite you to use those as a way by which uh, to be faithful in our effort to feed our community. Uh, we had a great response last week, but we are looking for even more of an opportunity for you to participate, so we would love for you uh, to join us with that. We have a new Advent class beginning this Wednesday night. Uh, I will be teaching here in the sanctuary from 6.30 to 7.30. Uh, and we encourage you to come and join us as we take a look at the uh, myth and the legend of and the, the true story of Jesus Christ. So we would love to have you come and be a part of that discussion 6.30. Uh, beginning this Wednesday evening. And then if you turn to the last page of our bulletin, you'll see uh, where we are with our stewardship campaign. The, the uh, mighty thermometer has not quite gotten to the top. And so if you've not yet had a chance to pledge, uh, we have pledge cards available in the back. Or if you'd like to find out uh, how you can do that, just call the church office. But uh, we are still a little bit a ways away from our goal of uh, $1,950,000. So we hope that you will uh, join us in that. Also, there's an announcement about year-end giving and that's critically important for us as we head into the last month of our church year. We are a little bit behind in our budget and so your response to that year-end giving opportunity uh, not only through uh, your deductions through IRAs or otherwise but also in your annual giving we would be grateful for that. And then finally uh, if you have the spiritual gift of a smile we still could use some more ushers especially on Christmas Eve. How many of you are going to Christmas Eve worship? Raise your hands. You all are candidates to be ushers. <laughs> 
on Christmas Eve. And so if you use that little bottom uh, piece of that form there, tear that off, put that on the offering plate, either for Sunday mornings or on Christmas Eve, 5, 7, 9, 11, whatever it may be, we would love for you to help us out as we continue to serve our, our good people. Let us continue our worship.
Shall we pray? O Lord, you know our hearts better than we. We want to have a longing to welcome you in this Advent season in a new way. And we trust that these gifts will demonstrate our commitment to allow your Holy Spirit to do a deeper work in us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. And we're going to invite the kids to come forward. So if all the kids want to come down and have a seat on the stairs below the front, the top stairs. So come on down. The angel choir is going to lead us off. And please come right over here, Addie. Right up here. Excellent. I did not hear about the robbery. Oh, my goodness. Wow. (laughs) Wow. So on this first Sunday in Advent... We're learning about how we have to have faith about Christ coming as the light of the world. And because he is the light of the world, our angel choir is going to sing a little song they've been practicing. So now you guys, angel choir, get to stand right back up. Stand up, stand up, stand up. And if you guys will scooch down. All right. Okay. Avery, are you going to come out here? today was the faith candle. And you know what faith is? Faith is believing even though you can't see it, believing when it was promised to you, but it's not quite here. And that's what happened. A long time ago, people were promised that Jesus, the Savior, was going to be born. Guess what? They had faith. Just like Mary had faith when an angel came to her and said, Mary, you're going to have a baby. My goodness. She didn't even have a husband yet. So you know what? She might have been a little bit afraid. But what did you guys just sing? Even when I'm afraid, I'm going to let it shine. Well, you know how Mary let it shine? She had faith. And it happened just like the angel said. 
And she said, I'm a servant of God. I have faith. So what I want you to remember, if you ever have a tough time, if you're a little bit afraid, if you're having a fight maybe with your brother or your sister or having a hard time at school, be just like Mary. Have faith because nothing is impossible with God and just let it shine. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, even when we're a little bit afraid, help us to have faith so we can let your light shine. Amen. I had an old preaching professor that told me once that preaching after the angel choir is like a lost cause. <laughs> but we'll do our best. This Advent season, we are gonna be focusing on Old Testament texts as we wonder together about the great prophecies that come forward from the Old Testament. Today, we look at Isaiah chapter two, verses one through five. Hear the word of God. The word that Isaiah, son of Amoz, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills and all the nations shall stream to it. Many people shall come and say, let us come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he shall judge between the nations and shall arbitrate for many peoples. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation neither shall they learn war anymore. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, O Lord, we pray that these words to come will point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ, amen. Before I forget, I want to welcome Betsy to our worship this morning and grateful for your great gifts. And if you want to hear Betsy after the service during our post suit, we welcome you to be seated and enjoy a wonderful post suit as well with Jonathan. There comes a time when you have to decide whether or not you are going to walk comes a time when you have to decide whether or not you are going to walk. I was a college senior. The thesis I had been working on as a political science major was on the Cuban Missile Crisis, which with the anniversary of John F. Kennedy's death last month has been in the news lately. And I was concentrating with my thesis on the problem-solving methodology that Kennedy applied to the crisis and how in, the, in one moment it brought us to the brink of nuclear war and in the other moment took us far away from it. 
My attention to these things heightened thus my sensitivity to what was at that point in the 1970s an alarming and dangerous nuclear arms race. Still deep in the Cold War, the U.S. and the Soviet Union were building and installing nuclear weapons as fast as they could and were long had long before achieved a hundredfold of what was called back then MAD, Mutually Assured Destruction. In light of my studies, this did seem to me to be madness, and so I responded to an invitation by my college chaplain to attend a peacemaking conference at the Riverside Church in New York City, hosted by then pastor Dr. William Sloan Coffin. For two full days, we heard from important peacemaking voices of the time of that time and got ourselves whooped up about disarmament and political action and organization. And then on the last afternoon, Dr. Coffin stood before us and said, okay, for two days we've been talking about peace and we've been complaining about war. Now it's time to walk. We're going to walk down Broadway Avenue and we're going to rally for peace. Walk, I said. Who said anything about walking? That wasn't in the agenda. I thought this was a sitting conference. I thought we were going to take comfort in sitting and complaining. I thought we were going to sit and study the issue and then go home. No, the good reverend said, we're going to walk. So quite to my discomfort, I, with a few hundred others, walked down Broadway Avenue and rallied for an end to the mad nuclear arms race. Now one can argue over the merits of such a walk and what difference, if any, it made to the crazy arms race, but the point of the story, of course, was that it made a difference in me. I had been asked to walk, and before I had much time to think about it, I walked. I do know that when I was thinking about walking, I did have in the back of my mind the call that my mother received back when I was 10 years old. The call was from my father and he was calling from jail. He was in jail. He had attended a memorial service for Martin Luther King days after his assassination and his fellow clergy had decided to lay a wreath down at the local municipal park but it meant they had to walk. So they walked for Dr. King. They walked for civil rights, not very far, just a few blocks. But in those parts of suburban Detroit, you did not walk for those things. You stayed put. So they threw them in jail. That made for an interesting session meeting later that month. In our text from Isaiah, the prophet dreams with us about the day when God would be known throughout the world, that the mountain of Zion and from it all the teachings of Yahweh would rise to a point that all nations and people would stream to the commandments and the precepts of the God of Israel, and as a result, they would beat their swords into plowshares, they would beat their spears into pruning hooks, and they would learn war no more. It is a vision and a hope that 99% of humanity would ascribe to. Who does not want the day when there is no more need for weapons, for swords, for spears, for nuclear arms, because somewhere along the way we forgot about war. 
in this terroristic world, who would not want that for their children and for their grandchildren? Swords into plowshares, spears into pruning hooks, learning war no more. Such an important vision that even two prophets of the Old Testament lay claim to it, Isaiah and Micah. But then, at the end of this beautiful vision, this beautiful poem of peace, comes this little verse that I had paid very little attention to before. Come, O house of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Let us walk in the light of the Lord. There comes a time when you have to decide whether or not you're going to walk. Because you see, the prophet understood something about visions. It, it's one thing to see them, but it's another thing to walk in them. Come, O house of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. In other words, the first step toward the day when the lion lays down with the lamb is the step you and I take to bring some measure of peace to some portion of our world. The step you and I take to bring some measure of peace to some measure of our world. But it all begins with deciding whether or not you're going to walk. Now, before you think that I'm on my way toward insisting that you and I get up this morning and march down Bee Ridge Road and rally for an end to, end to war, that wouldn't necessarily be a bad idea. It is important to know that the Bible is filled with invitations for you and me to walk in all sorts of ways. Over and over again, the people of God are being invited and challenged to stand up and walk. Abram, leaving the land of Ur, hears the call of God that says to him, get up and walk. Go to the land that I will show you. And Abram got up and walked. Moses steps aside in front of the burning bush and hears the voice that says, walk, walk back to Egypt and get my people and walk to the promised land. And Moses got up and walked. Elijah runs away from the wicked king and queen of Israel and goes as far as his weary feet can take him. He falls exhausted, but then the angel visits him, feeds him, and then says, rise and walk. The shepherds out in their fields keeping watch over their flocks by night, minding their own business, and the angels come with their big announcement, to you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And so they turn to each other and say, let us walk. Jesus walks along the Sea of Galilee and catches a few fishermen sitting in their boats and says, get up and walk and follow me. The rich man comes face to face with Jesus and asks, what does he need to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, sell everything you have and walk. Follow me. And the apostles come upon a lame man outside the temple and all he wants is a little silver, just a couple quarters to buy a cup of coffee. And Peter says, Get up and walk. Over and over again, these are the invitations and the commands that come through the story of Scripture to start walking. Come, O house of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. In other words, pick a path and start walking. 
Remember good old Dorothy and Toto skipping down the yellow brick road? And they get to a crossroads and they're not sure which way to go. And that's when they meet the scarecrow, but the scarecrow isn't much help because the scarecrow doesn't have a brain. And he keeps pointing any which way to go. And then they decide to do what? They just go. Sometimes your brain can keep your feet from doing what they're supposed to do. Pick a path and start walking. That's what Robert Frost enticed us with in his poem about the two roads diverging in a wood. Which way to go? No perfect answer. So I, the poet says, took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. And that's the difference the prophet invites us into, the difference between dreaming a vision and walking the vision. What is the place in your life, in your world, to which you can bring peace? That is to say, the biblical shalom, the state of wholeness and justice, the reconciliation between people. Maybe it's a a walk into the interiors of your own family because there is peace yet to be found there. Maybe there is, it's a walk into the interior of your own soul because there is peace yet to be found inside your soul. Maybe it's a walk into the canyon that divides you and another person in your life. Maybe it's a, a walk to Immokalee or the, to the Good Samaritan Mission because there's peace yet to be found in the lives of migrant workers. Maybe it's a walk down the path of Advent celebrating Christmas in a way that would, that would very much disappoint Madison Avenue. Maybe it's a walk into your congressman's office to insist that something be done about whatever issue is on your mind. Maybe it's a walk to Habitat for Humanity or to the food pantry or to the tutoring hall or to ringing the bell because retirement is a terrible season to waste on yourself. Come, O house of Jacob. Let us walk in the light of the Lord. Pick a path and just start walking. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the 20th century German theologian and martyr, whose particular path of walking led him to an act of resistance to Hitler and then to prison and then to death, in his great book on the cost of discipleship put it this way, when Jesus calls us, he isolates us. We come before him as individuals. He pulls us out of the crowd and gets us face to face and says, what is it going to be? We are anxious, says Bonhoeffer, to lose ourselves back into the crowd. But when Jesus calls, he doesn't allow it. Writes Bonhoeffer, neither father nor mother, neither spouse nor child, neither nationality nor tradition can protect a person at the moment of his call. It is Christ's will that he should thus be isolated and that we should fix our eyes solely upon him. Frederick Douglass former slave and great American abolitionist once said, I prayed for freedom for 20 years, but received no answer until I prayed with my legs. There comes a time when you have to decide 
whether or not you are going to walk. Friends, the good news is that we begin this day, the season of expectation and preparation and of waiting. We wait for that great story to begin where God makes the first movement. God walks toward us in and through the person of Jesus Christ in Bethlehem. We rejoice this day because that Savior not only walks to Bethlehem, but walks through Galilee, and then to Jerusalem, and then to this table. Walks as far as he needs to walk in order to encounter us, such that we may turn and receive from him his grace. 
God loves us this much. So you are invited to come to this table to find here these great gifts of grace, the feast of forgiveness, this meal of the God who loves us so much that he chooses to walk and invites us to walk with him as well. Hear the words of the institution of the Holy Supper of our Lord Jesus Christ as they're delivered by the Apostle Paul. I have received with the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the same night in which he was betrayed, our Lord took bread, and after he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. When you eat of this, remember me. And after supper, Jesus took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you remember the Lord's death until he comes again. And he will come again. Let us pray. We bless you, O Lord, for you loved us this much. You came to us. You answered our prayers when we prayed for you to come. And you have come to us this day and are joining us even now at this table through your feast. And we pray by your Holy Spirit that this feast may become for us the heavenly banquet, that we may know of your presence and that we may be filled with the Holy Spirit such that we might walk into the world as the agents of peace. Bless us in these moments through Christ our Lord, who taught us all to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our Lord took bread.
the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shined. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. After supper, Jesus took the cup.
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In him he was in the beginning, and all things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. And in him was life. And the life was the light of all people. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not and will not overcome it. Join in the prayer of thanksgiving. <clears throat> o Lord, may the taking of these elements in the communion of Advent season provide a penitential spirit for the joyful coming of your Redeemer. We do thank you that through your sacrifice, through your life, you have brought us from the old to the new covenant turned us from the old Adam into the new Adam, and we rejoice that we share Emmanuel with us forever. May these elements that we take be a reminder of the gratitude that we owe you for what you have done for us. We pray in the name of our Savior. Amen.
now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you.